0: You're listening to Tarot Visions. You lucky devil. Hey, J- wait. You're you're not Jamie.
1: No, no, I'm not. Jamie had the night off. I'm substituting in.
0: Oh, all right. Well, Everyone, this is Andrew, Andrew of Andrew Turow. Hello. And he is gracious enough to uh, put up with my craziness every day, because <laughs> this is my partner. Jamie's got the night off, as I've just been told. So... One of my favorite decks is coming out again, or at least I've heard such things, those rumors. And I thought, oh, I wonder how the creator's doing. Because, again, it's a second edition run, and she might be excited about it. So I thought we would see if we could get a hold of Margaret Towther, and then talk with her about her deck and maybe some of the other fun things she's doing since she put out the deck, because it wasn't just yesterday, guys. So let's see if we can get a hold of her.
1: Yes, please. This is one of my favorite decks. So...
0: Margaret, Margaret, ring, you- ring, oop. Hello. They pretend sound of a phone ringing, right?
2: Because
0: <laughs> those don't do that anymore. <laughs> hello, Margaret.
3: I think my phone. My phone mostly plays Commodore sixty four video game music these days. Anyway, hello.
0: Commodore sixty four music, huh? No oh, goodness. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, how is your day going? Let's start with simple.
3: It's going pretty good. I just spent some time in a cafe working on my current new comic, which I'm pretty happy about. I got to design Mecca for people I'm describing as Space Dryad. Wow. Well,
1: if I didn't love your work and your ideas already, you have definitely caught my attention now.
0: <laughs> but let's go back a little bit and start with how we first found out about you with this amazing tarot deck that you created called Tarot of the Silicon Dawn. How did this
3: idea come to you? Well, basically, it was pretty much what I think a lot of decks come down to, that I wanted a tarot deck that would speak to me, and none of the decks out there on the market spoke to me. And one night when I was baked off my ass, I just started doodling the majors. Mm -hmm. When I looked at them a couple of days later... I was like, "Yeah, the, this is still a project. I think I want to pursue." Because you know, sometimes you get these ideas when you're baking, like, "Oh my god, they will be so awesome!" <laughs> and some still awesome when you're sober, and sometimes <laughs> they're not. Of course, that does happen. I decided it was a pretty awesome idea, and I just started scanning my roughs and dropping them into Adobe Illustrator and turning into drawings. And about halfway through the majors, I was like, "Okay." I don't want to be one of those people who just takes a major only deck and is done. So I made myself start roughing out some of the other cards and start drawing them Mm -hmm. and start finishing them straighter so that even if I got all the majors done, it would still feel unfinished. And it turns out, well, I didn't get a couple of the majors done until like some of the last cards of the entire deck because I had to figure (laughs) out how to make them work for me. But, you know. If I hadn't done that, I might have just ground on making the work for me, and it would have just been another major's only deck that no one remembers <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh i don't I don't think that that's quite the case, and especially with your art, it was not something that was unbelievable oh, thanks. when I first saw the images, I was like, "Okay, when can I get this deck?" And I was told, "Oh, it's not in print yet. this is my friend just made this for me, and I was just like, "Wait, what."
3: Oh jeez, you you sucked real early then if you saw the handmade decks that I ha that I did with the random wrapping paper backgrounds. Yes, ma'am. I did. Oh damn. Sorry, the wrapping paper um backs, not backgrounds. You've been following this sucker for way back. Mm-hmm.
1: But we're also fortunate we got the finished product here as well, so Speaking of, you started off with majors and then forced yourself to dive into the minors. You've made some very creative decisions with the way you created your minors, and I just want to talk about a few of them, if you don't mind. Oh, sure. Your book talks about the core influence being more inspired by the Golden Dawn Tarot rather than the more commonly uh, known Mm -hmm. Rider-Waite-Smith, and was that just a personal preference?
3: Yeah, it was mostly a matter of, like, I started doing the research, and I feel like there's a lot of decks out there that are basically, hey, I want to make a tarot deck, so I just started copying all the symbology and compositions from the Rider-Waite-Smith. Mm-hmm. Pixie Smith did some amazing work in being the first person to draw out a whole frickin' tarot deck, but that's not the only set of uh, images. There was just like this film. Old- out there that are just a clone of that, and I didn't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I made the rule for me that I was not allowed to look at anybody else's decks while I was drawing mine, Mm -hmm. and I just started reading, digging into the history of it, and I mostly ended up with a mix of the Golden Dawn references Mm -hmm. and the Crowley's references. So it's like it's it's kind of a bastard hybrid (laughs) of... The Golden Dawn, and its offshoot, The Crowley Thaw, and I'm kind of taking them and sort of ripping them apart and jamming them together into my own version, mm-hmm. that I tried to just like address a lot of the stuff that I feel I just never saw in most decks. Like, you know, it's, it's a very queer deck, because I'm queer as hell, and it's a deck that's semi. Mm-hmm. And it's also a cartoony deck because that's what I wanted. And there's a—I think there are about four or five cartoony decks on the market. And you, know, I've got absolutely nothing against the average deck that's a gorgeous little oil painting or whatever. But that just doesn't speak to me. I'm a cartoonist. I wanted one that would work for me.
1: Excellent. And I think you've tapped into something really primal here with this deck and that's one of the things that really attracted me to it when I first started looking at it and what decided I I needed to get my own copy was it doesn't borrow the as you said the the more Jungian archetypes of a Rider-Waite-Smith there's a lot more I hate to use the word primal again but much more fundamental much more bigger picture elements being shown here (laughs) and discussed in these cards and that makes it more interesting to work with in some cases when you don't just want to relive the human condition you want to tap into the underlying you know metaphors and superstructures and that is one of the things i really enjoy about this deck as well as some of the really fun twists that are here and this is for for anybody who has not seen the deck yet i'll go over just a couple of the really neat differences in here in addition to the majors and the minors that you would expect from a tarot there's in fact an entire court suit called the void and that is a king and a queen and, or a chevalier and a prodigy of Of the void suit that's not associated with anything else. And what's really special about these cards, and probably is only possible because of modern technology, is the underlying card image is is utterly black. It is the glossy coat on top that allows you to actually see anything. The the image, as it were, is in the gloss coat. You have to look at it at a special angle to see all the details. And every time I look at them, I see something I didn't see before.
0: Yes, the image that's embossed on the top of the flat, which is really amazing. It's actually throughout the whole deck I noticed.
1: That's true,
0: but the void cards it really stands out, haha, <laughs> uh, because you have to really look and you have to let go of what you're expecting. And I thought that was very creative.
3: Mm-hmm. What inspired the void suit? Well, basically, um, when I when I started doing the deck, about halfway through, I kind of took a break from cranking out a card on average every three days. And I just drew a couple of the extras. I think I drew, I roughed out history, which is connected to some other drawings I did uh, beforehand. And I and I roughed out, and I drew the 99 of pentacles
2: mm-hmm. because I
3: just wanted to, to make fun of it, to kind of have fun with it for a bit. And uh, the, pentac- the 99 of pentacles is very much a joke card. Mm-hmm. And after I did that, I just drew the zero void, I don't know where it came from. It just totally came out of my unconscious. And I went on to do, do the normal 78 cards, and it just had like this what, these couple of extras sitting there. And then I hooked up with Lo Scarabo to print it. Mm-hmm. And um, Lo Scarabo was like, I heard uh, Lo Scarabo was all, like, hey, we have this new process that we've done on one other deck where we have the spot gloss on it. Mm-hmm. And I was, at, at first, I was like, I, Man, that sounds kind of gimmicky. And he sent me a copy of the other deck they'd done. It was a reprint of um, a deck called the Quantum Tarot. Oh, the Quantum, yeah. A, which is a nice, lovely modern deck. But what they did with the spot gloss layer was they just basically they glossed like the recurring border elements, and they would pick assorted parts of the image and they'd add up. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that and I was like, mm-hmm. I. see see everything they could have done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what happens if I what happens if I draw stuff in the gloss? And when I had that idea, I was like, well, I g- guess I'm doing the all four ninety-nines because doing the spot gloss thing means I'm definitely going to do the void court, which is a thing I was kicking around at the time mm-hmm. as like to balance mm-hmm. the silliness of the ninety-nines. And once I knew that I had a way to make the void really be what it needed to be, I was like, well, guess I got to do the 99 to balance them because they're all kind of about, they're very much dark, loss-oriented cards.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
3: felt I needed um, the 99 like counterweight the overall seriousness level of the deck. You know, I don't want it to be a deck where, like, every card is the frickin', is Death or the Ten of Swords, you know? Right. <laughs> Just having the void on there. But yeah, basically it was like you you very much have Ricardo at Los Scarabos to thank for the existence of the void cards and for the existence of all the other spot gloss throughout the deck. In fact, when I turned in the images for the cards, he was like, wait, you didn't put gloss on every card. And I was like, yeah, not every card has red on it either. So it's like, you know, I have this extra color thanks to modern printing technology. And in fact, it's uh, kind of addicting because um, the comic book I did after finishing the tarot deck, when I printed it, it too has spot gloss throughout all the interior pages, which is both medical and cool and also kind of annoyingly expensive and a pain butt to do. But, you know. <laughs> but worth it. Uh, I'm a pro- I'm, I've got a, I've got a promise to finish. I just love processing. It's like it's also I mean, in the modern world where it's so easy to distribute something digitally. I feel like there's something to said for. Hey, you can't really do this on the screen, you know. I mean, I, you could animate the cards or something, but that sounds like a lot of work. But this is like you know, it's about. It's a bit more work, and it gives it something that's very visceral and physical and magical. I'm super happy with how it all came out. Oh, that's just amazing.
1: Yep. And then you mentioned the 99s earlier. So again, I want to, for our listeners who haven't seen the deck itself, for all of the elemental suits there, in addition to the 1 through 10 and then the courts, there's also a 99 for each of them. And as you mentioned, it was kind of done as a joke, right? It's just a, let's take this to the extreme. Yeah, but I found in using the deck that that's a that's a really useful tool when doing readings. Occasionally, is the two absurdium level of a, of a when that element or when that that card suit comes into play.
3: Yeah, I mean they do have some serious meanings, but they are fundamentally goofy. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I feel like the deck just uses them as like, this is a silly question, or don't take this so seriously. And of course, it's. So they're also kind of me showing off because modern digital technology makes it super easy to draw 99 missiles for the sword or 99 or, or, you know, 99, whatever. I just draw one and then cut. I just draw a couple and then cut and paste them. It's like I, I think they do all have a serious meaning underneath them, but. They're also there to just make you laugh and stop taking your problems seriously for a little bit because mm-hmm. sometimes it's useful. It's very true. It's like when my boyfriend and I are arguing about stuff. Usually, half of how we one of the re, one of the ways we break out of it is just one of us makes the other laugh, and then we're not pissed off at each other. You know, they mm-hmm. think that's a valuable tarot deck to be able to do when you're asking it about real serious business that you're, that you know, sometimes you start building it up into too damn much. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So you mentioned your comic book. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
3: All right. Well, there, there's two comics in my life right now. There's one that I just recently finished and there's the one that I've just started on. Mm-hmm. The old one is called Depicting Rita. And it's about a robot lady who's dragged outside of reality by her ex boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Oh, She's got to pull herself across four parallel worlds before a hive mind takes over the planet. And each of these four worlds in the comic gets delineated by being a different limited palette. Mm-hmm. It's like one world is just white and a couple of greens. One world is white and a couple of blues and so on. So it's real easy to like have this absurdly high concept that would be a total pain in the ass to get it to get across in like prose or something. Mm-hmm. And just you look at it and you're like, oh yeah, here we are back at we're back in Blue Rita. It's the robot spy shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And um that that took me about four and a half years to draw, mm-hmm. including one spread in the book that actually took me an entire half a year. Oh goodness. That, that's the one near the end of the book where all of a sudden there's like A 100 different timelines just popping in and there's a weird enlightenment moment going on and the story gets very strange after the end after that point and then it pretty much ends and that's also also after that is the point where there's a giant magical magical sigil that i put in because you know after you draw an entire tarot deck you start thinking of some part of yourself as dude, I am totally legitimately a magic user now. I just made a frickin' tarot deck. You know, it's not for nothing that's one of the opening exercises of a lot of schools is make your own deck. I think you're usually not supposed to make one as insane and disregarding of tradition as mine, but what can I say? I'm a chaos magician. I have no respect for the past except what I do.
1: And it's brilliant.
3: And, uh, um, and, and the other comic that I'm... And uh, after I finished that, there was a lengthy Kickstarter, which had some things go wrong. I sure learned some lessons. It's like I did a total of three Kickstarters along the way for, for that. And each mm-hmm. Kickstarter, I learned something new mm-hmm. by making a mistake. Right. And um, after doing this one, I took some time off. And then I went to a comic shop where um, Nickelodeon was there like trolling for TV pitches. Mm-hmm. But I threw together this ambitious sci-fi pitch. They didn't bite, but my boyfriend and I just started kicking it around for like a couple of years while I was finishing up the Rita Kickstarter and recovering from it. Mm-hmm. And we got it to a point where I have other projects I want to be doing in, ter- in comics, but... This one is too good to just put down, and it's raring to go. Mm-hmm. So we've started working on that. This one is called Parallax, and I don't really have the perfect pitch for it nailed down yet. But um, the current working pitch is, imagine you're watching Funny Animal Star Trek, except every other point of view of the bull. So... and. You know, and when they, when they show up, they, when it's their episodes, they're definitely the heroes. And the other side is shown in about as charitable a light as the Borg are on the average episode of Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> and what actually the Federation and the Borg, one side is this, imagine agnostic Jesuits who are like totally into documenting the ancients who have gone before and vanished from the universe. And the other side, I kind of like to describe them as goth space dryads, Mm. who are actually a biological backup system of the ancients that have said, screw backing up people, I'm just going to start making up my own people. (laughs) Interesting. Thank you. And I, I'm about five pages into the first story on one side. Before I started talking to you all today, I was sitting there in a cafe, starting to rough out the first couple of pages of the other side.
2: Hmm.
3: And I'm pretty excited to get this one, that this is finally starting to move. Mm-hmm. It's real good to get back into that groove of, you know, every day when I wake up, I pretty much know what am I going to work on? Mm-hmm. A few years ago, it was, I'm going to work on the tarot deck, but it became, I'm going to work on decrypting Rita. Mm -hmm. I took a break from that. And now, again, it's like, I get up and I'm like, what am I going to work on today? Parallax. Mm. Nice. And and there's like the which pay, what do I need to design? And I'm also starting to upload pages to Patreon again, which is real nice because that means I'm starting to pay my bills drawing comics again. And that's living the freaking dream, man. Mm hmm definitely. But as you know,
0: we tripped up on you out in the real world going, you were going to do a second edition to the Silicon Dawn. Yep. So what's inspiring that? And will there be
3: any changes? Well, the main thing inspiring that is about a month ago, I started getting someone contacting me on on a weekly basis saying, Hey, I found your deck and I really love it. But the only copies I can find online are bots on Amazon who are flogging it for like $2,000. Wow. And a couple of people managed to snap the last couple of copies that seemed to be out there. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure it is now quite thoroughly out of print. So I haven't been able to quite persuade Los Scarabos to handle doing a new edition themselves because they didn't really know where its market was. It's not a traditional deck. It's just out there and find its market. Mm-hmm. And now we just definitely find, okay, well, there's definitely enough people out there. I put up a post after a couple of weeks just basically saying, okay, this deck is really thoroughly out of print, Unlike like it's Twitter and on its Facebook page and my own blog. Mm-hmm. And on Facebook, it just got this flood of people. I was like, "Okay, this deck is totally out of print, and I'm looking into making a second edition happen. Let me know how you feel about it." Mm-hmm. And I just got like a lot of people posting "Shut up and take my money." <laughs> I have like a growing collection on the Facebook page of like a half dozen different "Shut up and take my money." Yes. Clearly, there is a market, and I am now at the point where I'm slowly trying to take the part of me. That is just really still gun shy about doing another Kickstarter because the last one had some had some problems. Mm-hmm. Basically, discovered that Amazon is bureaucratically incapable of shipping a giant art book in any way besides just throwing it in a bubble envelope mm-hmm. and hoping for the best. Can we like actually put it in some of those? more harder corrugated boxes that are specifically designed for shipping big books. <laughs> yeah. I know they exist. I bought books from them that came that way, but the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. Mm. Sometimes. But I feel like go around for a month before I learned the secret, the secret high-end support that kicks in when you actually freaking email Jeff Bezos yourself, himself <laughs> with your complaint. <laughs> And the special super high-end support team was able to just ship all the books back out of their warehouses, and I found a new fulfillment partner and I was able to finally deal with that. Mm-hmm. But I just have this giant psychic wound in the back of my head mm-hmm. that I need to stitch clothes before I can go, oh, God, another Kickstarter, mm-hmm. all this money being turned around, all these way to make mistakes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that I've pretty much made all the Kickstarter mistakes you can make at this point.
2: Mhm.
3: And if I can keep from making those mistakes again, I'll be fine. But I'm also like, I haven't printed a card deck with a box and a book myself. Um I hope there's no exciting mistakes to make there. <laughs> well,
0: we might know people. We'll we'll try and connect you with some people if you need it.
3: Yeah, that would be lovely. I mean, if anyone you know is interested in, like, handling a lot of just making the printing happen, hell yeah, I'd be glad to share some of the profit of that sucker. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, just having a big stack of books, stack of the decks that takes the cons, it was all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a the crass commercial part of all of this. We live in a capitalist world, for better or for worse.
0: Well, you also have to make a living, and you have to eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: I do like eating. Not much, but I like eating. I like not starving more than I like eating. Yep. I'm kind of aiming to have the Kickstarter happen somewhere around the end of this year, I think, or the mm-hmm. beginning of next year. Okay. Sooner would be better. But... but let's be realistic. You've got a life. You've also working on a comic. Yep. You know, it's kind of a back burner. I feel like the world is saying... Heiki, you really need to reprint this. The world wants more of this crazy thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yep, I'm working on it. I gotta get a, I gotta get my brain ready to deal with that. Yep,
0: right, indeed. All right, I know that we had a couple more questions about some of how you created the cards, if you don't mind. Yeah, go. So
3: go for it, Andrew.
1: Okay. Well, here's a more more fundamental question: How did you get into the tarot yourself?
3: I'm pretty sure that when I was about in seventh grade, I think I saw a decorated folder lying around my high, my middle school classroom that that had like all of the majors on it.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I have no idea what version of it was. They were definitely riffing on the writer Wade Smith because they always are. Yes, yeah. I'm pretty sure they weren't the writer Wade Smith. That was this weird thing, and it just stayed in the back of my mind, and I kind of had. I would like to do some kind of version of the tarot for as a project for a couple of decades after that. Mm-hmm. I, there is this point where I was living in Boston and I was starting to draw kind of more mystical stuff, inspired in part by the fact that my boyfriends had recently inter- corrupted me and introduced me to the joy of marijuana. <laughs> and, you know, aggressive rationalist starts getting stoned and the mystic comes out and says, hey, let's draw a tarot deck. This would be a good thing. There were a few other elements going on in the background for that, but that's, that's pretty much it. I just got to the point in my life where I stopped being aggressively rationalist and was like, screw it. There's a part of me that's, that's kind of been a mystic magician type for a while. Let's indulge her for, for a while. Mm. And I didn't have any other big art projects going on. And that would keep me busy for a while, at least. So, so you know, I just kind of started doing it, and it worked out pretty well, I guess. Well,
1: we have certainly appreciated the what you have created.
3: Most definitely.
1: And looking forward to what what you're now working on. I'm going to have to go find those comics now myself because yes. I didn't even I didn't even know about them until we sat down and started preparing notes for this uh, for this interview.
3: They're all on my website. Yes, and um, pretty quick really linked from the front.
0: So where can we find you online?
3: You can hit up egypt.urnash.com. That's mm-hmm. egypt like the country, urnash, like an urn full of ashes.com. Mm-hmm. And before you ask where the name came from, that's what came out when I typed the alias of one of my furry muck characters into an anagram generator. <laughs> nice. When I was looking for a new nice. handle.
1: That is awesome.
3: That's also where my porn alias came from. <laughs> Fantastic. Because everyone has
1: porn alias. And you said you were also on Patreon. Is it by the same name or by Margaret Trouth?
3: I think the URL is egyptairnash. That's basically the username I use everywhere on the internet these days. Got it. There's a link to my Patreon on the front of my website. Mm-hmm.
0: And it'll be in our links, no problem.
3: Along with all the links to like all the social media that I'm currently willing to deal with and my blog, and all my comics, and my gallery, and a page about the tarot that has every single card, as well as an archive of all the images that I generated for the Twitter bot Mm -hmm. that once a day tweets one of the card images and a couple more images that have the text of the card. Oh, exciting. Which could work pretty well. If you want to have the deck on your phone, it's not too bad a way to do it. It's not quite as good, maybe, as actually building a deck dedicated app for that but i've got enough i've got my fingers in enough pies without building an app as well
0: (laughs) and there are other people who can do that for you you don't need to do that
3: yep i end up hooking up with one of them over the course of the next year or so maybe that will end up being a stretch goal for the kickstarter too there you go
0: that'd be amazing well thank you for taking this evening to chat with us margaret we really appreciate it Thank you, listeners, for taking some time. And now you guys have to go find the Silicon Dawn Tarot. It is out there. Or, you know, start getting ready to save up for the Kickstarter when it comes out. Indeed. Thank you, Andrew, for helping out tonight. My pleasure. We will talk to you all soon.
3: And thank you all for having me on your show and getting the word out about this crazy stuff.
0: Oh, we're so excited to do so. Thank you for listening to Tarot Visions, a podcast for the modern oracle. To keep the conversation going, please find us on Facebook at Tarot Visions US or follow us on Twitter at Tarot underscore Visions.